I uh, really do believe that that is the central truth of the, the Christian faith, um, that the grace of God is enough for everyone. That the, the grace of God, His, his love, His loving kindness, his, his favor, His adoration of, of you and me means that God is safe for everyone who we really are in the fullness of our our honesty, in our brokenness and sin, with all of our concerns. We can come before God without fear. And that's the very basis of our relationship, the very basis of um, even... Prayer, the very basis of gathering together in praise is that we can come before God without fear. Uh, the uh, ushers are going to be handing out to you a prayer uh, now that will be um, our prayer for the next uh, seven weeks. It's the triple uh, seven prayer covenant. Um, in uh, talking with Sam Routson, who does a, a lot of uh, this stuff, she was like, you know, I really see a casino theme here, you know, and I, you know, I, I don't think that'll work for right now. Um, that, probably not a good idea. Of course, she was tongue-in-cheek. Um, but this particular prayer covenant for these next seven um, weeks, and I'll talk a little bit more uh, about it later on, but uh, a prayer that we will say together on Sundays and that, uh, asking you to commit to praying, to seeking God together, using these words every day, seven days a week, for the next seven weeks at 7 o'clock. You can put the a.m. or the p.m., or you can be radical and do it both. Um, but I'll leave that uh, to you. And, and this uh, prayer covenant, uh, um, uh, Jerry Kirk, who's uh, the pastor emeritus here, uh, beloved pastor here, and actually just a, a great um, colleague and mentor in, in ministry, has graciously let us sort of rework this uh, prayer. This is a prayer that, uh, that he's been using for a number of years now and really in international um, setting. So he was, of course, overjoyed that we would be using this during this seven weeks as we conclude this discernment process as a church. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, and, and as you'll see in the, the prayer, that, that grace is even the very foundation of our prayer. Um, that we come to God um, boldly with our concerns, with our, our needs, with, with who we are. We, the, the writer of Hebrews, which is another book in the Bible, sort of um, close to Titus, uh, that we're going to look at in a minute. Um, but the writer of Hebrews said that, that we come boldly, we approach boldly the throne of grace. And, and that's what prayer is, that we come before boldly. That we, we don't come before God strategically. You know, like uh, children come to their parents when they have a concern, when they have a request. You know, how you do that strategically. And I was one of four. And at times when we had a major concern, a major request, we would go gauge what's the mood in the, among our parental units. You know, I mean, how, how's mom feeling? You know, dad in a good mood, is he, is he really happy now? And if he is, okay, go ask. And if he isn't, okay, hold off. We'll come back another day. We don't approach God in that way. We don't approach God strategically. 
We, we come before God boldly because of God's character, God's grace, you know, God's uh, mercy. It's why, we, and we have to practice that. You know? That's not a natural inclination, I do not believe. That, that we think of God as, as being totally safe, that we can come totally honestly and let Him know all that's on our heart. And that's why we practice regularly, um, on, uh, so often on Sundays, uh, taking a time of, of confessing, of, of seeking to be honest before God, totally honest and experiencing God as safe. Because granted, we, we understand that God is powerful that God created the very world from the very beginning of time just by His Word it came to be. And we understand that God is pure, that God is righteous. I mean, the writer of Hebrews also said that our God is a consuming fire because of His righteousness, His purity, His, his holiness. But it's the same writer that said, but we approach Him boldly. Well, there, something's got to give, and what gave was Jesus in whom we are clothed who sacrificed himself for our benefit so that we come before God clothed in his righteousness. God is indeed safe. Now, again, you know, it's, it's to illustrate you know, that, that sense that, yeah, is God really safe? And that, that sense that we, we may not have the, the capacity to understand that, that naturally. It's... I want to just uh, share this illustration with you, and, and, and maybe you'll, uh, this, this will help. But I, I want to um, uh, give you uh, the, a certain apparatus, a, a vehicle that helps us to travel. Right, we've developed this vehicle that helps us travel from one place to another. Okay? And this, this vehicle that helps us travel, it weighs over 775,000 pounds. Uh, heavier than 150 cars. It's, it, it's powered by engines that will produce uh, 130 pounds of thrust just to get this vehicle moving. It's equivalent to 290,000 horsepower or more than 1,000 car engines. This, this apparatus is going to hold over 47,000 gallons of fuel. And it's going to travel in space that's 65 degrees below zero Fahrenheit and in air so thin that we lose consciousness. And it's speeds of over 560 miles per hour. One mile every 6.4 seconds. So in the you know, two, three minutes that I've been here, it would have traveled 30 miles. It's not just you and I, not just us that are in here, but it, it, we're, we're going to be in, a, in this vehicle. It's about 20 feet wide, and there's going to be 550 of us that, that are going to, to travel in this vehicle. And this vehicle is covered just by a thin layer of aluminum. Now, I want you to get out a nickel. You got a nickel? Who's got a nickel? Go ahead, got change in your pocket? Nobody carries change anymore? Go ahead, get out the nickel. Play along. You, know, you see that nickel? Show to the people that are around you. That's how thick this aluminum skin is that's over this vehicle that we're traveling. 
Now, who, who's going to get in that? Yeah, the engineers in the crowd will say, because they know that it's an airplane. To be exact, it's a Boeing 777-300ER uh-huh, airplane. And to give full credit, it's powered by two GE engines. Now, but you, you know that, that knowing all the details of all that's necessary to, for an airplane to get from one place to another, yet, you know, we're like, whoa, no, I'm not getting in something like that. Just a thin layer of aluminum, you know, and that fast, that much thrust. No, I'll just walk. Yet, you know, regularly we get into airplanes. And statistically, it's known as the safest way to travel. And I think we have some of the same kind of ways of, of God. We, we, we have this, this sense of wonder of the, the awe and the power and the majesty of God, and, and yet, is God safe? Can we be totally honest and real? Can we say everything that really is on our mind before God? Yes, because you're not telling God something God doesn't already know. Just agreeing with God, sharing our, our very heart and soul with Him. And it's the very character and grace of God that receives us for who we are in that complete and total safety. Yeah, we, we talk about grace in a number of different ways. You know, we talk about a ballerina being graceful, you know, elegant. Uh, we, we say grace at meals. Uh, we, we say people have social graces, you know, that they have appropriate actions and instincts with others. But as we talk about grace concerning God's character, it, it is an unlimited affection and loyalty to you without any connection to your performance. An unlimited affection and loyalty to you without any connection to your performance. That's why God is safe. For anyone and everyone that will come to Him. The passage I want to look at that will highlight that for us. There's a whole bunch, but I want to focus on this one. This is in Titus chapter 3 on page 969 in your, your pew Bible. And as we, we as you turn there, you come to the um, look, watch on the screen, uh, just uh, want you to get in touch with, you know, do you consider God to be totally safe for you and for anyone and everyone else? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Speak to us in this time. Uh, speak not only to our mind, but speak to our very soul and the power of your spirit. Uh, free us from those things that make us um, not receive your, your grace, your, your mercy. That, that, that those ways that keep us from believing that you truly have an unlimited affection and loyalty to us. Help us receive that grace. 
that life-giving grace. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, it's Titus uh, chapter 3. It's found on page 969 in your pew Bible. And this is a, a letter from Paul. Paul, one of the, the early leaders in the church, wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament. And so Paul, is, uh, he, he's sort of the, the, the teacher of the ministers in that day. And Titus is one of his ministers. Titus is now on the island of Crete, and he's developing the church there. He's leading the church there. So Paul's writing back to him saying, here, here are some of the things that you need to know, that you need to focus on as you're leading the church. All right, chapter uh, 3, starting with verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure. I desire that you insist on these things so that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, I want, why don't you look, look at uh, verse 3 uh, first. It's just, you know, look at what Paul is, is, is saying to Timothy. This is Paul talking to Titus. I mean, these are two ministers. These are two guys uh, leading the, the church now. And, and look at who, who he says they were once. You know, th- th- this is the, we are, ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. That's who God was working with in the first century. That was who made up the church. People with this, this kind of record, this kind of baggage, this kind of brokenness. That's who God's been using then. That's who God uses now. Broken sinners. Now, he, he, as we know in Jesus, you know, the, the group that he went to were prostitutes, drug dealers, drug users, those that were cheating on their spouse, those addicted to pornography, addicted to money, those who are, who are filled with hatred towards others, overwhelmed with anger towards whatever was going on around them. They were committed to one thing themselves above all others, committed to their own career, to their own lives, to their own safety, to their own comfort. The very opposite of what God calls us to be. Even if you've spent your life as an unbeliever trying to convince others that God doesn't exist, those are the kind of people that God loves. Those are the kind of people that He's talking about right here. Those that are broken and in sin. That's good news. That's good news because that's us. That's that's you and me outside of Christ. 
Then look at verse 4. The, the best word that I ever see in the Bible. The first word, but. That's always good to see. It's always, you know, this is the human condition. This is our brokenness. This is our sin. This is who we are left unto ourselves. But God. But the loving kindness and goodness of God, our Savior, appeared. God is safe for sinners because of his character. Because of God's very nature. Being good and kind and loving. And we aren't. I think that's one of the reasons that it's so hard to grasp this scandalous grace. Why we, like Brian was saying, just like Jeff, we sort of keep it off because we just don't believe it. Because it's not the way we are naturally. You know, I'm a parent. And with, with my children, I did not have to teach them to be stingy. You know, I might have sat with them and said, say, Dad, say, Dad. And Kathy might have said, Mom, Mom, and they would learn it. But I never had to teach them. Never once did we have a lesson on saying mine. (laughs) At least not a conscious lesson. I had to teach my children how to say ours, how to share and I don't even have to look at my children. I can just look in the mirror to see that, that how different I am from the nature of God. You know, I, 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 never, I never pray that God would help me be selfish or greedy or lustful or impatient. Because I can do that on my own just fine. I don't need any help. But because we are so different than the very nature and character of God, we find it hard to believe that indeed... God is safe. Verse 5. He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He saved us not because of anything we bring to the table, but everything that He had done in Jesus Christ. Again, this is good news. If y'all want to dance, go ahead and dance. Because it's not according to our standing or our goodness or our achievement or our accomplishments or our performance or our grades or our intelligence or our strength or our capacities to love and show kindness to others that God is safe. It is because God is merciful. And God gives what we don't deserve. I think that's another reason why it's so hard to grasp that grace means that God is safe. is because we live in a world of evaluation. We live in a world... I mean, we were formed in our early years about performance, receiving grades, and that bringing value to us. You know, it, and, and then we, we get jobs, you know, we have to put resumes together. We have to fill out college applications, you know, and we don't put on those things our errors, our mistakes, our, our foibles, or if we do, somehow they're indirectly a good thing. You know, and then we, we have to give references. Well, nobody's going to give a reference to somebody that doesn't like you. Right? I, 
I'm going to ask somebody to be my reference that likes me. I mean, we are trained all along about focusing on what we can accomplish. And it trains us to not receive the fullness of the mercy of God and the grace of God totally and completely on His character. And when we're freed, in our best moments, when we're freed from the ways of having our performance, our achievements, be what gives us our identity, when we're freed from that, when we're able to come to God uh, openly celebrating the good stuff and being open and honest with the bad, with the evil, with the sin that is within us, then we find that freedom of forgiveness. I mean, I, I find uh, then that you know, it, it frees me for God to be working on me. And when I'm not freed to be honest and to come to God with, with my own sin, my own brokenness, my own mess, then what, the other thing I tend to do is blame others. You know, and if, if, if I'm really believing that God is safe, then when I confess my sin, it's about me. And God working on me and not blaming other people. God is indeed a safe place. We can be honest and be cleansed through the grace of Christ who sets us free so that we can confess our mistakes, our, pra- our past, our present and even our thoughts. Yeah, and you think about it, God already knows them anyway. Verse 7. So that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure. The beginning of verse 8, and I desire that you insist on these things. Okay, I'm just doing what Paul tells me when I'm insisting on these things. That's how central it is. This is the core, that we are justified by the grace of God. Justified, not a word we we use a lot, not the way that it's used even here, but justified by His grace. I think the most single uh, phrase in, in the Scriptures That we are made right with God. That's what justified means. We're made right with God by His gift. We don't get what we deserve. God is holy, good, pure, and we aren't. And what we deserve in God's righteousness and purity is God's judgment and wrath. But what we receive in the grace of God is what we don't deserve. His forgiveness. And what we're we're told here even that we not only just receive His forgiveness for um, salvation, but, but we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I mean, we are we we get the inheritance of God's family. In a few minutes, we're, we're going to remember those who have died in the last year. 
those from our fellowship who have gone on to, to meet their maker face to face and who now have received the inheritance of the resurrection, that they have life after death, life after death with God forever. And that is their inheritance and ours. God is safe for everyone to be open, to be honest, to set aside the, the, the ways of the world that say we get what we deserve and to come before God not trying to, to get things right, not, not trying to, to make it up somehow or another, not, not trying to get God's attention. We've already got it. We've got His undivided attention, you and I. And it's not dependent upon our achievement, on our accomplishments. It's totally dependent on His character. So grace is the foundation of our life with Him. It's the, the very foundation of prayer. In, in the prayer covenant, the prayer that we're going to say, which I had up here a second ago, here it is. You know, just look at the, the first line of that prayer. That, that highlights that, that, that God is our Father and we are God's children. We were just born in the right family, born again into that family. We're, we're born into the family with this inheritance. It's nothing that we bring, but all that is given to us. We have unhindered access to God in prayer because we know God's character because we know of His grace, His mercy, His loving kindness. And so as, as we approach God together through this, this prayer, during these seven weeks, we come boldly, knowing that it's, it's not because of anything we bring, it's just because of His love for us and His desire to work in us. And what I'm asking you is if you'll commit to this prayer for the next seven weeks. For every day at seven o'clock to, to join in, in seeking God, in approaching boldly the throne of the throne of grace. Will you commit to that? Even if you're here just as a guest, go ahead, commit to it. You know, the, the, we love for you to pray with us and, and for us in this time. And I think that, that those that, that don't, and the reason that we don't is because, whoa, seven weeks is a long time. And we're scared to make that kind of commitment because we'll fail. You see, that's works working in there again. <laughs> it's about grace. You know, somebody told me after first service, Wayne Gretzky was a great hockey player, you know, that uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it, let, let's commit to this in the spirit of grace and commitment. You know, and if we get it half the time, you know, three to four days a week, well, that's probably three to four times more uh, a week than we would have done if we hadn't tried to make the commitment from the beginning. So it's a safe place 
and God even to fail. But if you really want to take this up and want to do the best you can to, to follow this and make seven days, seven weeks, seven days a week, then get a prayer partner. Get, get somebody that you'll, you'll talk to regularly and say, how's, how's your prayer time going? It's amazing how that helps. You know, it's just like a couple weeks ago, if y'all were here, I brought a part of my car in. You know, the inside panel of the door because, you know, I was talking about how Jesus followed through and I'm not, I haven't followed through. That this piece had been sitting next to my house for months. Well, you know what? After I made a fool of myself and used it and showed it in front of all of you, that baby got put on that week. <laughs> so that, because a number of you asked me, did you get the car door on? Yep, I did. So invite you, challenge you in these seven weeks, ask you to take this commitment with one another as we seek the throne of grace together. And first and foremost, this week, to recognize that God is safe, that He is indeed our Heavenly Father, and we are His children. The first line of of this prayer. Dear Father, thank you for your grace that has made us your dearly loved children. Like the best parent at the best of times, God loves us with an unhindered affection, unrelated to our performance, but totally based on God's character. Totally based on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In a sense, God's unhindered affection is based not on our performance, but the performance of Jesus. And so therefore, we can come to Him without fear. In addition, we can come to Him in confidence, even at the occasion of death. As we take a moment now to remember those who've died in this part of our fellowship, who've died in the past year, we come before God in a confidence, not in a wondering, not in an uncertainty, not in any kind of fear, but in a confidence that those who are in Christ Jesus, because of God's character, because of Christ's performance, are secure in Him forever. Amen.